Hey, Christian. Welcome to another installment of the Geekscape Book Club. I, as always, am Christian Blatt. Uh, excited to speak with all of you about Wonder Woman by George Perez, Volume 1, which includes uh, 14 issues of the 1987 George Perez and some other creators we'll discuss as well. But uh, we're talking about this this week as homage to the late great George Perez, George Perez, who just passed away uh, with me again uh, this week is Mr. Eric Connor. Hello, sir. Hello. And uh, there's <laughs> Diana there right there. And uh, the I, concept... I raided my kid's toy uh, bin and I, that's all right. There was look, a couple of Wonder I, Women to choose from. So. That's a good one. Yeah, this, you have this one. Uh, although, if you look closely at the face, it's a li little amphibic. Amphibic. Yeah, it almost word? looks like. For our audio listeners, you're just going to have to assume that it looks like Betty Boop. Um, <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, with us uh, as always is our own Wonder Woman, the one and only Caitlin Cornell. Thank you, Caitlin, for being with us. And uh, for people who need a reminder, the concept of the Geekscape Book Club is that these are legendary or well-known runs of comics that uh, perhaps we should have read previous to this, but we haven't. Uh, and joining us is someone who has read this. In fact, uh, he was the first person I asked for a recommendation for George Perez Wonder Woman work. Uh, my friend Jeff Winstead, who has a comic book of his own called The Alternate, which you can find, and also The Last Battle of the Revolution. So uh, you're the author of that. And, That's uh, good reading for this week. Great reading for sure. this week. Great reading for every week. Uh, thank you, uh, Jeff, for uh, being with us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll sort of turn to you for a second and just let you take a moment and talk sort of about the context of this post-crisis series of Wonder Woman, which, by the way, we've I've mentioned you on the show in the past. Uh, Jeff is the person who gave me the inspiration for this show because you knew that I had never read Crisis on Infinite Earths, so you mailed me the trade paperback, which actually Caitlin has right now, uh, my copy. Awesome. And, uh, you know, get get some mileage out of it. And uh, and then I sent you, I had to send it digitally, but I sent you Kitty Pride and Wolverine because yeah. you had never read that. That's so right. uh, that goes back to the sort of the early point of the pandemic. But uh, that was the original genesis for this show, which we're happy to be doing now. So that being said, uh, talk a little bit about Wonder Woman, the character, sort of right before Crisis and uh, the way that this series was viewed at the time, which I believe it premiered, it, it uh, debuted in 1987. That's right. So Crisis is actually a good thing to mention here because that's the impetus for this whole series. So DC was rebooting all their continuity, ostensibly at the same time post-Crisis, which didn't actually happen as planned, which is one of the problems here. So uh, Wonder Woman was a book had been published continually since uh, the 40s. There was a reason they had to do that contractually, even if sales were bad, because if they didn't publish the book at least, I think, four times per year, they had a, there was a weird clause in the contract that the rights reverted back to William Marston's estate. So even when sales were bad, so three superhero books were published continually through the... Uh, the, the Frederick Wortham era, when, when comics got such a bad name, it was Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Not because Wonder Woman sold it all, but because they had to or lose the rights. So uh, because of that, the book 
sales in the book were up and down. They had some great creators. Uh, Ross Andrew of Spider-Man fame did a great run in the book. Um, but they had some, you know, some, some slow periods. And Wonder Woman, much like Superman, if you read an issue of Wonder Woman from like 1983, you may as well be reading an issue from 1953. Like there's something about it didn't move forward in time the way it should have. Right. And so it was sort of stuck there. So along comes Crisis. Uh, George Perez, uh, for those who don't know, was doing a very, very popular book for DC at the time called uh, New Teen Titans. He was pulled from that book to do Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was a, a multi 12 part miniseries that DC did to reset the continuity. And after that, he was given a choice. You come back to Titans, uh, which he considered doing. For a little while, he bounced around. He did some covers. He did. He inked the last uh, Silver Age Superman story that Alan Moore wrote over Kurt Swan. And he is told that Wonder Woman's available if you want it. And he said no. So some time passed. Uh, he kept thinking about it. He started hearing rumors on where the book was going. Apparently, the, a, a writer had been hired. He was Greg Potter. And an artist had been hired um, in, by the name of Mark Beecham. And so I heard this story in uh, a convention in Ohio in the mid eighties. There was a Wonder Woman panel. They had several of the writers historically on the, on the panel and an editor named Kevin Dooley. And Kevin Dooley told a story, which to me seemed out of school that Perez had heard that Mark Beecham was taking over the uh, art on Wonder Woman. And he was so infuriated because Beecham, uh, Christian, you might know him from, he did an issue of Spectacular Spider-Man uh, that featured Black Cat, and he also did the famous annual that introduced Ace. The... Oh, I do remember Ace. And uh, yeah, yeah. Know, Jeff, we are actually uh, having that audio problem oh, uh, sorry. with you again. So yeah. uh, I don't know if uh, sitting still works. It did work when you popped out, so we might have you pop out and pop back in. Okay. But so he heard that this artist was doing it, and did he feel like, oh, I can do it better? Is that the, the gist of it, though? The gist of it was, yeah, he thought that artist was too racy. It would be oh. too, it would sexualize Wonder Woman too much. And so right. he decided at that point to toss his hat in the ring. Okay, well, let's that, have you, let's out. actually have you pop out and see if you can come back with uh, <laughs> the audio sounding better. Right. And uh, sorry, sorry yeah. to uh, kick you out mid-story, but uh, I know sure. that especially for our audio listeners, that that wasn't going to sound uh, particularly great. Uh, heading into this uh, this uh, this reading assignment, Kate, had you read much, if any, Wonder Woman before? I haven't read any Wonder Woman before. <laughs> And am I, am I, is my audio okay? Now Your audio sounds concerned. great, especially compared to Jeff, but <laughs> it also sounds great. Um, I hadn't read any Wonder Woman before. I read a little bit, I guess that's not true because I just, I read a little bit when uh, the first Patty Jenkins movie came out. Sure. Um, but I hadn't read any of the old stuff. I read some of the new stuff uh, to kind of, you know, figure out where the character was coming from. And I honestly had a really hard time getting through this one. Like, I think I told you in text, I was just like, do you still want me on? Because I had a hard time. I, yeah, no, and I, I, I restarted think... that first issue maybe five times and I kind of well, gritted my teeth and did the first five. Um, well, yeah. And, uh, and I think that, you know, in, you know, in a collected volume, that first issue, uh, obviously it's kind of easier to just sort of plow through it and then move on to the story. But uh, as a standalone issue, it's a little surprising because it's sort of, you know, I'm talking about issue one, the surprising thing about it, Jeff, 
is that it's sort of like the part of the Bible where it's a lot of like begats. You know, it's like you're right. explaining a lot. And it is interesting background story uh, to the characters and the situations. But as a, as, a, as a tone setter for people who read superhero comic books, even in 1987, it's a little surprising. I, uh, Caitlin was mentioning that it, you know, she had to start it uh, several times. It was, and, uh, it was and, one of those things, Jeff, where it was just like, it was just, I, and what was weird was like we had read, you know, our first episode was Batman Year One, which is very sure. much like, there was a lot of, of, of the, the, the talk bubbles and, and fit in. It was a lot. It was very, very condensed between the art and the and the writing. Yeah. But this one was like almost overly so, or I couldn't even, I could barely even like see past, as opposed to like the writing and the the art working together. It was like the writing was almost covering the art, and I couldn't really like. I think that's why I had such a hard time getting into it because it was as a as a quick follow up to you, Kate. Have you started uh, reading Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths? Uh, Not because not because I'm trying to get the book back, but because um, if uh, because that is to me some of the densest storytelling that I ever read because there are so many characters. George Perez is the perfect artist for Crisis because he actually takes the time to draw everybody and everybody looks great. And, uh, you know, but there's a there's so many words per page uh, in crisis. And, you know, it is definitely a a very specific style, like a 70s and 80s style. In the 90s, everybody started, uh, you know, trying to spread out the art a lot more and honestly have a lot less words. I Uh, the first major comic I read, like in modern times, what got me into comics again was uh, uh, young Loki, the the Loki Agent of Asgard series. Mm hmm. And it, the the beginning of this comic book reminded me of how they started Loki, Agent of Asgard. So if you're a Marvel fan and you like Loki, I would highly recommend Agent of Asgard. It takes place after, you know, evil Loki takes over. And it's basically like Frigga and this like council of women goddesses like resurrect Loki and like have him like fix his past person's mistakes. Right. Um, but it did remind, it did have that sort of feel of like this, like overlord of goddesses <laughs> that have been like bestowed. Yeah. For me, it was reminiscent just of various mm. Thor runs that I read actually kind of at a similar time frame as this came out. And it, it seemed a little bit inaccessible. I don't know how much I would have liked it when I was 11, if I had bought it when it was new. Um, I was thir- I I'm 31 and I was hard. It was hard for me. <laughs> But uh, I, you know, I, I think as a whole, uh, I, I really like that. And, and honestly, just uh, George Perez's work, I was most familiar with from his like late 70s Avengers work. But uh, I'd obviously seen some Teen Titans and stuff. But this was really my first solo Wonder Woman story that I'd ever read. I had definitely read some like Justice League stuff. I'd seen her in in things before. But I hadn't read. What about you, Eric? Had you read much in the way of solo Wonder Woman stories prior to uh, to this week, basically? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was gonna venture back into the dark place of my house where all these boxes are from my childhood home, and 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 actually to that point, like look to see if I had Wonder Woman titles. Um, I was always much more Marvel, mm-hmm. and also it's funny you brought up Thor because I was thinking about Thor a little bit too because I was always. One of the reasons I always liked Marvel so much and the titles I were was really into were like X-Men, all the Spider-Man, Fantastic Four even. 
I always like the sort of mixture of the real with the, uh, you know, fantastical and the ideas of stories set in New York, you know, when you grow up in the East Coast, there's something pretty exciting about that, especially when uh, both my parents are from Brooklyn. So, you know, I, I the stuff about gods is always a little bit of a steep hill for me to climb as a reader. I don't think I really, I'm sure I have at least one Wonder Woman comic in my collection somewhere. But it would not have been much. It had definitely, I never read like a series all the way through sure. Wonder Woman. Woman, woman. Um, and, and it's funny, you, um, Kate, you brought up like kind of how dense like the writing was. It might be a little hard to see for our, our, just our limited right video up. audience. Or for our video audience, you could kind of see. <clears throat> yeah. You could see and there's like in this one page, there's a dozen panels. Yeah, and which so, that's more of a product of, of this era. Uh, Jeff, yeah. we were talking about how the 90s really, you know, yes, a lot of it was because of the creators that went on to do Image Comics, but all of a sudden it was a lot more splash pages and honestly a lot less words except for Chris Claremont really is what it seemed like. Uh, right. But, you know, uh, yeah, so there is a lot per page, but I want to let you finish your thought, Eric. Yeah, yeah, but I, I it's funny you, you bring up, you know, that first, the first issue. I, I, it's hard to imagine. So, okay. Was it, this came out 87 or 86? Seven. 87. Okay. So, you know, I'm born in 74. I don't mind. It, I'm one of the few people in LA admits my age, or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm actually in my nineties. Uh, but that would make I, sense. you know, when I was like 12 or 13, reading that first issue might've been a tall ask, but I will say like knowing it was the first issue of this sort of series that I could then immediately go to issue two. I thought the first issue was actually pretty fascinating. And I thought, I wish it wasn't so freaking timely, <laughs> you know, the way that as the Amazonians were treated and manipulated. And, and I, as I read this, I was, I actually was surprised because I was like, wow, this is pretty bold. You know, this is very much, a, you know, very forward thinking. And, and, and I was thinking like 1980s, you know, where women's rights were at that point where America was at that point, you know, a very jingoistic era, you know, Reagan makes a cameo in this at one point. And, and I thought actually that first issue, despite the fact that normally I'm not, that's not the kind of material I sought out in my comic book reading. It, it actually did really grab me. And then when we got to sort of man, you know, I still found myself into it. And then when she maybe went back, that's when I, I suddenly found myself losing a little interest. So for the first, I don't know, eight issues of it, it really grabbed me. And then once we got into the tests, maybe not so much. Well, the interesting thing that I read just on the just on the back cover of this volume of uh, volume one, that I guess Perez was only going to do the, like six months just to get it started. And I don't know if that ties into what you were saying before, Jeff, and I do want to let you finish that, but that he had so much fun that I guess he did it for about five years. I guess he did 62 issues and all, although at a certain point he only writes it uh, because uh, anybody who's a fan of his work knows that. Uh, and in fact, I think some of these issues have uh, some, uh, you know, he does what they call breakdowns and then they do what they call finishes, which is, That's true, uh, yeah. 
some really loose penciling because just, you know, actually doing 22 pages a month was, uh, that's why, you know, a year long project like crisis that he probably spent like three years on makes sense. But, uh, so he did it for a long time, but what was it that you were getting at Jeff in terms of what made him actually do it? Uh, he felt like the artist you referenced would have done a disservice to the character. Exactly. Yeah, he thought it was it would sexualize the character too much, and uh, so he comes on, and Potter uh, had already been hired to write, but it quickly became apparent that George is going to take over the co-plotting, and so uh, Greg Potter, as you see, leaves after issue two, and Lynn Ween comes on, and I assume uh, that that is why you actually sent me this image from the amazing spider, the spectacular Spider-Man annual uh, just because of the overly sexualized nature. This is the black cat, Felicia Hardy uh, for our visual audience. uh, And it is just, you know, it basically her costume looks like it's spray painted on. So I think that was his, uh, his fear that that's what was going to happen. Exactly. Obviously none of you men have worn spandex because that is exactly how spandex (laughs) costumes look. I am sorry. That is. Why do you make that assumption about me after all this time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You also haven't known me long enough. uh, It's just, it doesn't look like that when I wear spandex. Weighs down all spanks. I mean, then you would know that that's exactly how it fits. It's not as great. Well, it's not even just that. <clears throat> it's also in in that frame Christian showed right her her butt's like it felt like ninety percent of the frame, you know. So there's well, I did zoom in, form- uh, and and Jeff didn't send it to me that way. That just is what happened. No, but even that one, that one frame though, it took up a lot yeah. of the frame. Yeah. It did take up a lot of the frame. No, yeah. you're right. But beyond sexuality, like it's very similar to the costume that uh, the the pilot that you sent us to watch. Yeah. Which will, we will like, definitely talk about the, the yeah, but I, I do the, like the that they Wonder do. Woman television pilot. Yes. Well, oh, what was, yeah. what's amazing is like, you know, especially with the, how Wonder Woman has been portrayed in media um, with the little, with the, the Grecian skirt, as opposed to, you know, 2011, she was wearing pants. And then, and, and you know, this is the eighties was when a lot of the women started to, forego like i was i was doing a lot of research for stranger things on phoenix because i'm going to dress up as phoenix for uh comic-con um and it was the original phoenix outfit was a dress and it's like when did it transition from being you know the superheroes were wearing dresses to the superheroes were the superhero ladies were wearing kind of full body suits that they could kind of move around in so i appreciate that because i'm like i can't i can't fight in a skirt you're gonna see my panties that's not cute right i think that was the sort that not to go down the rabbit hole but uh when but it's Jean about gray recently reverted to the marvel girl costume where she had the skirt again you're like i mean i think it was proven that uh yeah that was completely impractical and we'll just say that that's the reason why i haven't read any of those stories but uh just the yeah. lack of interest really yeah um, but it's interesting how you know it used to be even more sexualized with you know, showing a lot of skin and we're seeing it with, you know, uh, the, what was that movie? The, the, the Snyderverse Amazons versus the Amazonian Amazons from the Patty Jenkins versions. They're still wearing skirts, but how much skin are they showing? So when you see stuff in comic books that are, are, you know, tight to the female form, I'm like, at least they're wearing a suit that they can move around and that's actually functional. 
Um, and then we're getting more and more utilitarian as, you know, the times are changing and as the, our superheroes are changing. So it's just a mark on where we're at with sexuality versus function, form versus function what? and female yeah, superheroes yeah. in particular. Sorry, sorry, Kate, about that. Go uh, for it, yeah. <clears throat> no, I was going to say, Eve, it's, it, it's interesting because even when you watch, like, um, I guess it was uh, Justice League, uh, the footage that Snyder did, you know, there are scenes of uh, Gal Gadot walking around in pants that are more sexualized than any of the scenes of her in a skirt in the Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, and so it, it goes, yeah, beyond just costume. It's the gaze. It's the angles. It's... You know, you moments when you can truly sort of feel like there's a male gaze going on. I remember studying that 30 years ago in college, like the idea yeah. of like who who is controlling the image. And and so even with the drawing here, and that was something I actually, you know, in terms of the 80s of it all, and there are moments in the series when Wonder Woman's like naked and being reborn, it 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 felt like it handled it right. It felt artistic rather than sort of, I don't know, stalkish. Or gratuitous, better word than yeah. stalkish. Yeah, it, it, it isn't like the 90s way that uh, I think, yeah. you know, they're, 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 first of all, of course, the nudity is obscured, but just for the, the fact that they would have it for various storytelling reasons. Well, Kate, I know that uh, you, uh, you know, it was a bit of a slog for you, but I do want to know what your takeaways were from the, the storyline that you did read, which, you know, it does begin with, this uh, story where she has to basically, uh, you know, defeat not only the American military, but also Ares. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, I think everything that I read in these 14 issues, uh, I, I've said this to, I think, yeah. each of you, uh, if they could have borrowed any of these themes it, instead of what they did for Wonder Woman 1984, we'd be better off for it. But uh, what were your takeaways uh, you know, there's plenty of room to talk about the bad, but uh, were there things that you found in here that uh, you thought were surprising in a good way for stories that were told at this point in the 80s? Uh, and uh, what what were some of your just takeaways in general? Mm, I had a really hard time. And I am the person that sees good in everything. You know me. And I had a really hard time with this one. I had a hard time seeing the good in it, honestly. Um, I just could not get past how dense it was and how much they had to explain things. Whereas, you know, I felt like reading it, like in comparison to something like year one, like I, they didn't really let the art speak for itself. They kind of had to explain all of the art. There was so much lore behind it. And, and it was, you know, they had to explain all of the Greek stuff. And they had to explain all of the gods. And they had to explain all the things. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> but, but they did treat the women in the story with a sense of dignity and honor. Um, and, and a sense of um, that they had agency in their own story, which I really appreciate which wasn't a present a lot of the time in the live action stuff that was happening. And it barely even happened throughout. And then the nineties was a whole different turn of events. Um, so I, I, I guess the good thing is I appreciated how they had control over the story. And if they took anything from, from this story instead of, I mean, I have a whole thing on why wonder woman 84 could have worked better um, I don't think they understood the theme that they wanted. I think they had four themes running at the same time, where at least this theme, because they were starting a new series and they were starting a new track, 
this theme was pretty clear or the themes that they chose were really clear and they were embodied by all the characters. Each character kind of had a running theme and when they butted against each other and caused friction, that was the conflict. It was a conflict of belief instead of a conflict of like, you know, action, um, which I appreciate. And um, it wasn't present. In, it's not present in the kind of reimagining of these works from the DC side of it, at least. I, I don't think um, the live action stuff is a little bit um, male gaze heavy and they don't really know what they have to work with, which is weird because Patty Jenkins is such a brilliant filmmaker and sure. she did such a great job with the first one until the third act. Um, when Aries comes in uh, and I thought that having not had a lot of contact with Aries, except for that movie, Aries was great in the comic. Like I actually had a better appreciation for the main villain from the first. And I know it was about wonder woman 84 was this whole like, you know, thing, but like, I, I wish they would have brought in that he was an actual God yeah. in this one, as opposed to like, you know, the first wonder woman film didn't really, he was just a guy. <laughs> like, he was a yeah. guy it was like it was a god trapped in a guy's but, body but it was like it's still when, like, he didn't feel like a god he didn't yeah, feel when, like he had like this gravitas about him whereas in the comic he's like yay tall and i'm just like i feel it bro like i <laughs> i get you yeah, <laughs> like, when uh when we way back in 2017 when we uh discussed wonder woman on my personal podcast the black cast b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t thank you very much uh that was the aries really was for me the weakest part of the movie i thought uh, she was great and they sort of built it up and yeah that that uh, i i did find it i agree with you that i found it to be much stronger here so yeah. uh jeff and I, I might boot you out again if uh just oh. for, only to return oh, only to right. return but, um, hashtag protect jeff at all costs <laughs> we should we should we, but team jeff um in terms of you know i had asked you before we started so you read this uh when it was first published right uh, how did it measure up to you you know month to month compared to I know that you read a lot of Marvel and DC at that time. So were you, uh, did it grab you right away? Did you have to kind of warm up to it? Uh, were you, you know, did you appreciate this new take on the character? So to everyone's point, um, there were issues that I was bored and I did yeah. not read it every month. I, I would miss an issue here and there. I pick up the next issue. Sometimes the covers would really draw me in and then the stories would be not as exciting as the covers presented. But, uh, interestingly Perez said that he was very much influenced by Simonson's Thor so he's definitely going for that vibe here yeah. um, but contrast it with uh, what John Byrne was doing on Superman at the time which is very action heavy did not have he was going for like six panels per page versus 12 uh, that's definitely a Perezism, um as you know from Crisis Christian and for, yeah. or just from his Marvel stuff where he draws uh, very dense pages um so the, the one thing I wanted to mention about the Aries angle, uh, what did everyone think about the, the, the origin here versus in the movie where she is made wholly from clay and not the spawn of Zeus and her mother? Um, yeah, I, I, I was fine with it, uh, you know, and it, I, I, I thought it worked. I'm not so married to one explanation or the other. You know what I mean? I think that this yeah. was interesting. Uh, you know, it sort of adds a layer of like, oh, that's interesting. Let's try to unravel that at some point, you know, as I'm reading along. Um, what did you think about that, Eric? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's always fun sort of seeing, uh, I don't know, old school kind of like Greek gods, biblical roots, like the whole sort of melange they throw in there. And and I I don't think I found myself necessarily gravitating towards one origin versus the other. I think it worked here. And and again, I, I thought that the first couple issues, or really the first issue with the whole origin of more so than just Wonder Woman, but really the, the balance of power. Um, you know, again, I was pretty surprised how into that I was, you know, and, and maybe it is, you know, a product of the last two weeks in this country, you know, without turning this into a, uh, a handmaid's tale discussion. But, but I, I thought, uh, you know, it was pretty powerful. And, and this idea of Wonder Woman constantly trying to figure out who she is, what her purpose is, I thought the origin fed nicely into that. Um, it also spoke to, uh, well, I'll, I'll hold off on that because I'm not sure if we were going to talk about characters later because I had right. some thoughts on the character and the voice of Wonder Woman, but I'll, I'll hold sure. off Sure, yeah, that. we can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Kate, again, I, we... We understand that there, it was a it, it was a, a bit uh, a bit of a slog, as we can say. I will uh, not but what did you think about you. what did you think about the sort of you know the explanation we got for her backstory? Uh, and do you feel that it worked? Uh, and in a moment, we'll talk about a, another backstory of this character. But uh, what did you think about sort of her beginnings from Clay and you know her mother's backstory? And uh, you know, I mean, the there's just this uh, backstory that it, it's in the five issues you mentioned, but they really explored in later issues that uh, what Heracles basically just abused all the women on this Island oh my and God, uh, thousands of years ago. And they don't, uh, you know, they, they don't make light of it in any way, but uh, no. I was very surprised. I'm like, comic books are for kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> for the most part. And uh, I, you know, look, I think that it's an important part of the storytelling and uh, I was just surprised that it was in there, you know. Uh, so what did you think sort of about the, you know, get, getting an origin for Wonder Woman in these uh, the, these few issues? I mean, I think in an origin story, especially like, you know, a lot of the stories that we have been reading in this book club are reimaginings of these characters. I don't think we've, you know, we have we didn't go back to the 40s and the 50s for reasons. We're sticking with. 80s and and for the most part are like you know the reimaginings of a character that had already been created sure um batman was like that uh moon knight that we read was like that um you know the way the weird is it isn't kind of an origin story for like where we started yeah um but you kind of when you reimagine a character it's nice to be like okay where did what is another place that this character could have been born from or imagined instead of them just being plopped into a world and you know, it, it took a very, you know, in a Greek story, it took a very biblical turn. I mean, Adam was like formed from clay in a, in a way. And, and it was, you know, they took a, a very biblical origin and it's applied it to a, to a female hero. And so I thought that was a really a clever, creative way, as opposed to her being kind of the daughter of a god. And, and so a demigod in a way like Heracles. I, I, I think it was nice to have her there's something about the formation of clay that it's, you are a blank slate and you are what you create yourself to be that, you know, you, you're not, you know, because you're not the product of parentage, 
Um, it's you can't really put in like you are the you know you have your father's blood in you or you have your family to you know back you. It's you are a blank slate, and you have your clan and you have your tribe, but you're kind of autonomous. And I I, I think that autonomy was important for this version of Diana, um, and that kind of not being beholden in a way, um, even though she was raised in Themyscira, she was raised by these people. She's not born of these people, mm-hmm. um, especially in a time where, you know, it was post baby boom and it was all of after those, the baby boomers had had their kids and people were kind of asking the question of just like, where do you come from and how much does that affect who you are and who is, what is expected of you? Um, so I definitely think that was a part of, you know, what if we have a hero that has no parentage? Um Although, so. wasn't her mother, like, I'm trying to remember, uh, she was almost, like, haunted by this, yeah. like, yearning for motherhood, yeah. <clears throat> which dovetails nicely into something we covered recently, which is Wanda. Yeah. Uh, and, and Doctor Strange and WandaVision, uh, you know, and and there is something to be said there, too, because that dynamic with her mom, which I also thought was interesting in the movies. Yeah. You know, that idea of, like, okay, like, a larger destiny versus something that's immensely relatable for all of us making our making our parents proud. wanting to have it and in another biblical story it's um it's you know sarah versus uh um oh god what is it oh god the kid the what are the two brothers um one is made one is the, the daughter the son of sarah and one is the one of them couldn't have kids so it's, you know, lie with lie with the handmaiden and, you know, have a child of her because I can't have a kid. And then she gets pregnant. Jacob, Jacob Esau? I think. Welcome to Greek Geekscape. Welcome to Greek theology. Geekscape theology. I think it was no, my, and then he my ends up calling your brother. I'm not my, I'm not my brother's keeper. Oh, is it, uh, is it well, Abraham, Abraham and Abraham and. What, you know what? It's many stories of the many Bible, honestly. The Bible. Yes. Okay. I mean, gonna, it's Joseph gonna... <laughs> with his siblings throwing him in the pit. There's a lot it's of Cain siblings who try to kill each other. Oh, yeah. And, no, no. I mean, yeah. it, it's that... and now I have two sons and I'm like, oh, that's why. There yeah, it is. But it's, the, it's the it's the kind of like those that woman in the, the Bible was just like, I can't ha- be a mother. So I really but that's all I want. Right. And then and even when she does and get talk and laughter is the name laughter because I can't believe I'm pregnant. And they yeah. apparently were laughing about it, so that's the kid's name. It's Sahak, Yitzhak, <laughs> uh, Isaac. Oh yeah, no, they 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 didn't they did Isaac me good in Hebrew school. <laughs> Isaac and Ishmael. There we go. Found it. Abraham was that. the father. <laughs> Done. Uh, so I feel like this is a uh, this is a you know this was a good reinterpretation. You know, nice reset on a character which. The uh, Jeff reference the John Byrne Man of Steel, which uh, I did mm-hmm. read uh, a few issues of at the time when he when he did that, just because I was sort of intrigued. I hadn't really read much Superman before or since, to be honest, but uh, I was definitely intrigued by sort of this approach towards, you know, resetting, you know, what, continuity. What, what year was that, uh, Christian? The Man of Steel was like eighty six. Okay, so right, like yeah, right it's around the same. It's all it's all after Crisis. Okay, you know, and gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, 
Um, but um, as as sort of a a, a a sort of fun yet painful diversion, uh, I wanted to take a moment to talk about a bad reimagining of the character because it is so infamous, and it is the uh, unaired but uh, easily found on the internet uh, NBC pilot for Wonder Woman series uh, starring uh, Adrian Padalecki, who uh, was well-known from uh, her work as uh, Mockingbird on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she's also on the Orville now. But, uh, you know, and uh, it's a uh, Stephen Bochco production. And, uh, I mean, it is, uh, it is you know, when you think of all the bad superhero stuff you've seen, uh, for that to, uh, yeah, that that would be on the Mount Rushmore of bad superheroing. It's clearly missing the point. Uh, I, I think well-intentioned, but sometimes... You can't be sure. Um, Kate, had you ever seen that before? The uh, Wonder Woman pilot. This kind of shit makes me really angry as a female filmmaker. Yeah. But I get where it comes from because I watched it. And it's really irritating when a character is reimagined this way. And it's almost like to prove that these characters, there's a, an email that went out years ago at Sony that female, with female superheroes couldn't lead a franchise. And it's kind of been like, they they named the two that were failed and then use that as an excuse to never make them again. I think this was a good call by Warner Brothers to not pick up the pilot because <laughs> sure. I think it would have put this character back way too far. And we wouldn't maybe we wouldn't have gotten Patty Jenkins reimagining and we wouldn't have gotten Gal Gadot's version. So I think it was a good call by the studio. And I rarely say that. Um, what I do know, because I looked it up, it was done in 2011. Yes. Iron Man had just come out in 2008. And there's been up until that point on show on networks like the CW, ABC, um, there had been a push and there had been a push up until like, you know, from the early 2000s up to the mid 2010s um, to reimagine old stories in a modern context. 2003, we got Tarzan in a modern context with the amazing Lucy Lawless. That was the only thing that show gave us. Um, we got a reimagining of Beauty and the Beast, which was the 80s Beauty and the Beast, not the old Beauty and the Beast. The Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah. 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 And and so we, we've gotten these reimaginings, but what they did to reimagine this one was Diana Prince was a celebrity. She was the she was running basically the Thymascara Industries, very similar to um, Stark being out and running Stark Industries. So I think they were trying to take a female superhero and put Stark on top of her. Um, also starring Carrie Elwes, which is a really nice surprise. That, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Good flex. Yeah, um, I know. I, w- I, I would have loved to, for him to, uh, it, you know, the only shame is that he wasn't able to draw a weekly salary from a network series because uh, if there's somebody who deserves to, uh, you know, have the riches that uh, maybe he doesn't have, it would yeah. be uh, Carrie Elwes. But anyway, I'm sorry, finish your thought. But in the context of the stuff that we were getting on those types of networks at the time, they were the only people that were willing to do and had the budget for basic superhero or super, like they could only do like super strong type of superheroes because they didn't really have the budget for anything else. And you could tell. Um, So you could only do like super strong and then like, you know, let's talk about it in our penthouse for a bit because this is the set that we have. So from a filmmaker (laughs) perspective, I understand why it was just the wrong character and the wrong base. They were trying to reimagine her as a, as a, the stark version of for DC. Um, But this was before like Marvel TV really kind of had its rise 
This is before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is before, you know, Netflix got in the game and this is before everything else. So, I mean, good for the old college try. I'm glad they took a chance, but I'm also glad they they didn't um, greenlight the whole series because it was it was bad. What uh, what was your takeaway from the Wonder Woman pilot, uh, Eric? Yeah, well, it's funny because you shared this with us, but um, we've actually um, at my school, we've used the the pilot the pilot script and then and then patty jenkins movie as like it's kind of like a, an assignment that branches over a couple different classes in terms of you know how the progression of a story and and, and even you know the idea of something that admittedly is a failed version of it so sort of talk about okay what went wrong here like it's like a case study basically and so i was overly familiar <laughs> with this when you shared it and i i uh, I was a huge fan of Friday Night Lights. So Adrian Palicki in my mind is like a totally legit actress. And yet you wouldn't know it from this. This was actually, it wasn't Stephen Bochco. It was David E. Kelly. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I, I actually misspoke. Uh, it, it's, it, it's in, in the sense LA in Law. which I threw the name out there, it actually doesn't matter. Yes. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's, it is, it is name attached. That makes no sense that it no, was attached. Right. Well, and also yeah. too, it was funny because LA yeah, Law is the sorry, bridge is between David those Kelly. two. Yeah, yeah. Stephen yeah. Bochco was the first, uh, was one of the creators and showrunners. And then, if no, I remember, but Stephen Bochco at least gave us Cop Rock. So yes, no. he did, which I have a copy of too. If you ever need it, Christian, I cannot believe you know Cop Rock. Who doesn't oh, know Cop Rock? It's totally totally when, when you're when you're our age, you all knew, yeah. you knew about Cop Rock. The only reason right, I know right. about it is because John Oliver made fun of it. Like two years ago. I'm proud of you for knowing it though, Caitlin. Yeah, I, I I'm say. proud of me too. And then I realized how <laughs> it was. Mention in the chat. I, let us know in the chat if you're proud that uh, I've also Caitlin realized I probably have the right friends. This is the moment yeah, when yeah. I realized I yeah, have yeah, pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have uh, that moment where you're looking around the room and it's like these are my I met someone yeah. who worked Eric. on Cop Rock and we geeked out about it for like a half hour. And then a day or two later, our mutual friend handed me a disc and it was uh, no, I'm sorry, a couple of discs. Both with cop rock material, Ooh. one the original pilot, Isn't the other outtake. Is that the show where they sang about like there was a pedophile in a park that sang about selling babies and shit? Oh, I might have. I, that song might have left my brain at some point, thankfully. But, <sighs> but you know, it, 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 most people know it in the sense of the yeah. pilot because uh, yeah. most people didn't watch. Beyond That's as far, yeah. Yeah, right, right, but, right. But uh, Eric, it's, I want you to finish. I, I want you to finish. Sorry, the, sorry. We, no, 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 no. I, I, I did this. I brought this, up. Cop no, no, no. That, this is all on Christian, and he would. Eric have no and I can way. go off forever. We just go. <laughs> Wait, believe me, we'll do. Look, we'll do a episode by episode uh, cop rock after show at some point. Don't worry. That's a hard or we, all, or <laughs> we make the cop rock graphic novel. Uh, yes, I'm just throwing that out there. All right. I love so, it. so anyway, you know, I mean, this one too. It's. It's such a mess. It takes itself weirdly seriously at times, not seriously enough at other. Yeah. She has two secret identities. Remember, she's like, she runs that company, and then she has this other secret identity of like just regular Diana. Like, it is crazy that this thing had someone as smart as David E. Kelly attached. And, and sometimes it is a matter of just like David E. Kelly, I mean, bounced back huge with um, Big Little Lies or Little Big Lies. I always call it the wrong thing. Which is terrific. Pretty little big liars. Pretty little thinning. The I, think, thin I think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty little big liars in the building. I think gossiping about Pretty a girl. little big liars. Right. In I the might world. be. I might be wrong though. But and so he like. I mean that was a terrific comic. He also did uh, Mr. Mercedes, which I thought was a really great show based on one of Stephen King's uh, 
book series. Um, but in the end of it all, yeah, it's like all those things that drew people to Wonder Woman, it, it's, it's handled so indelicately. So it doesn't feel organic. It feels very forced. It feels like it's yeah. trying to to sort of say, oh, no, we get her. It's like, no, it feels like mansplaining all over the place. It, it's really a, it's a hell of a thing if you haven't watched it. Please do yourself that favor yeah, and watch it. Definitely. It. It, it, it's easily found. It used to be on YouTube. You have to dig a little oh, deeper yeah, than that yeah, now. No, it's, but uh, it, it's out there. Daily motion, uh, I think. And it happen. definitely makes you appreciate the, uh, at least the first Patty Jenkins movie. And sort of telling that Jeff, have have you had time to ever watch that 2011 one? No, I've seen bits of it, um, but they obviously saw that oh, this guy did Felicity. Felicity was a show with a woman. Here's a here's a show with a woman. He can do this too, and, and it was not a good pairing, I think. But yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. could watch it last night. I just finished Stranger Things, and this would have been like drinking a glass of pickle juice after having a glass of Woodford. Mm. I couldn't bring myself to do I that. I do. I do love. So. I do love a nice pickle juice. Yeah, I, uh, need it. I do love a pickleback. And uh, <laughs> Jeff, I I think that what I want to try is something very low tech, and uh, I'll have you reconnect with us just using yeah. your cell phone and use the built-in camera there. I know, uh, and and microphone there, so That's I right. can text you the link, and we'll try no, that. Uh, okay, you got it. So yeah, just do that from your phone. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, my apologies for the uh, the static there, but uh, I bring Jeff on as a um, as a as a voice of uh, knowledge on these things. But what a great time to remind everyone that he is an author of the last ba battle of the revolution, uh, available now on Amazon. Look, there's oh. his name. Oh, <laughs> and his comic book, uh, the uh, the alternate, uh, which he's been working on for a few years. You can find the issues on Comixology. Uh, one of the ways we started uh, speaking with each other was because he asked if I would be interested in reading his comic book because he was familiar with my work from a radio show that I was on. So, uh, but uh, check out his comic, The Alternate. Maybe uh, I'll let him give the hard sell at the end of the show. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about that. Um, so, what Caitlin, at, what's that? Of the pilot. What did you think of oh, the pilot? Oh, yeah. What did I think take? of it? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, it's glorious. It's, it, it, it's, I didn't like that she was wearing pants. I was like, all right, flex. Awesome. Cool. But yeah, I mean, but that it's, top, uh, it, it's uh, so misguided. Erotic so thriller. Like, you know? For me, especially, I'm just like, this is a sprouts, This is not fun. <laughs> Look, you see a lot of times. That's the real battle who, of the show. People Honestly, who adapt yeah. properties that they, have no familiarity familiarity with no interest in and uh i i don't know that david e. kelly ever thought that this would go to series you know I so, I, i'd like to know like what was his development deal at the time did he just have to shoot a pilot so that he got his money it might be <laughs> as simple as that did he not want it to go because that would answer a lot of questions i mean i know? do honestly think it was you know that was the 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 at the time, that's what a lot of stuff, that was the tone of a lot of stuff that was being made. And I just think we forget about that when we're, you know, in this, like, you know, we've got Stranger Things, which the finale was two and a half hours long. And, you know, we're, you know, we're going back and making fun of like 10 years ago. Like that was 10 years ago. And like filmmaking and an audience is like, Netflix was 
barely a cool thing back then. Like Netflix was still 10 years ago, was barely making their own content. Like, no, I mean, it was a it was a stack of DVDs that you didn't get yeah. around to watching because you just didn't have yeah. the thing you actually wanted in your house. Exactly. That's what Netflix and it's, was we, I think we get like and that's why. What was that show that I watched? Inhumans was so interesting because I'm like, it's like hearkening back to a time of television to 13 year olds when I was like, like early 2003 when there was nothing else to watch on cable. And like now there's everything to watch and the quality is so high that when you have a low quality product like that, it's like, how did this even get passed? But everything was that quality back then. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something about, you know, network TV that has a very specific look to it. Uh, What did you want to say, Jeff? Oh, I was going to say that DC and Warner brothers at that time, they also tried a like insurance superhero show uh, where there was like an insurance company that did claims for damages to superhero like caused by superhero battles. Powerless. Yeah, Powerless. I, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, that was that wasn't that many years ago. Um, yeah, right? yeah. I'm, oh, that's it true. Was a comedy. Right. Yeah. Maybe that was closer to 2015 or 16. That sounds. Yeah, right. but yeah. still, it's uh, yeah. There, there's a lot of misfires, and it. it's interesting yeah. because. Uh, while I'm not a fan of the CW Arrowverse, Flashverse stuff that they do, it has obviously proven to be very successful for for some of these franchises, you know. And I mean that that's you think about how many uh, hours of Barry Allen there's been on television, you know, it's it's very impressive. Well, what even Smallville. Smallville yeah, was right true. around this time, right? I'm trying to remember. Well, right. Smallville, Smallville ended by this point, but yeah, it's it's not too far off. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and yeah, I think that uh, from network television, the approach is always how can we tell superhero stories without spending superhero money on them? I mm. mean, you know, uh, Eric and I have a bit of an affinity for the uh, the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk show but it is not a superhero show at all. Yeah. It's just a couple minutes of him turning green and, you know, like picking up a car and throwing in, it in slow know? motion. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was basically the fugitive uh, with. Yeah. Body yeah. yeah, that's true. But um, Jeff, how do you feel? Uh, so we were talking a little bit about in terms of you reading this um, in terms of thinking back on this run do you think that this is a little bit inaccessible for more modern comic book readers uh, as, as Caitlin found, like do you me. think that there are better, <laughs> there are better entry points for this character that are more recent? I've, I've actually had to struggle with this several times. I've had a, adults ask me what a good point is for Wonder Woman and I can't find a better one. Okay. I think okay. they struggle with this. Um, the, the new 52 relaunch, which I haven't read much of, but they introduced this concept that Zeus was Diane, I am your father, you know, which was terrible. I, I hate the thing where Zeus is her, is her dad. Did he Darth Vader her? It, well, it, it was sort of like the mother, uh, uh, Hippolyta kept, kept it a secret from her. Yeah. Hippolyta. And, Hippolyta. Thank you. And they, they, uh, not to be that person. No, no, it's fine. No, I just get, and they, uh, yeah, so it was a it was a reveal. Got it. Okay. So I much preferred is it was it was weird, almost like an anti-feminist move to remove the made from clay from the hands of a woman and have to introduce a male figure into it. Just felt very against the initial. And by the way, the the, the introduce or introduce. Exactly. Oh snap! The, 
And done. The, the origin that we saw in this was literally the 1940s origin, the 1940 origin. Oh, now, interesting. They, they told it in two pages in 1940, but uh, Perez and the writer here added almost nothing to it in, in terms of new layers. Um, so, and yeah, so it also, in the first page, the, the, there's a caveman who bludgeons a pregnant cave woman to death. To death. Oh, that's right. That's, that's uh, uh, the Diana is the, the, the baby, the spirit of the baby that goes into Gaia's womb. Oh, I so, see. That's, uh, that's so the, okay. the cave baby. Yeah, yeah, cave so baby. Mother, yeah. Want, so so she gets to be queen because Maybe she was. Maybe that's why I have trouble with it because it was, starts off with bludgeoning a pregnant woman. <laughs> it's not a great start. Uh, I totally forgot yeah. about that. But, but, very weird to read as a fourteen-year-old boy. It was a very odd uh, introduction. Yeah. And Perez. Do you think and, that? being because i'm a new comic book reader and you guys have you know not saying you've been around the block but no, you, well, we you've have. been fans since you were kids yeah. yes. and so you kind of came up with this culture do you right. think that um and especially like watching stranger things and it's like i i'm like i would never let my kids out of the house like oh, yeah. you are staying in your room forever right. and it's like you know people who grew up in the 80s are like oh yeah we would just go ride our bikes and like be home when the sun when the street lamps come on is there was there more of a trust in 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 readership back then of like we could throw these themes at kids and adults because it's weird to kind of hear like oh yeah these were for kids but it's like star wars is technically for kids and there's like murder and like all of them and like maybe an incestuous kiss or like i don't know what the hell's happening well to that point yeah the original star wars are pg movies the prequels are pg-13 and the prequels only robots get shot like, you yeah, know, especially the first one. In, in but they start off with like, you know, space taxes. And well, I'm like, and just, uh, well, yeah, just, yeah. just to be fair, when the original trilogy came out, PG-13 did not exist as right, a rating right. classification. That's no, true. It, it didn't. That's absolutely true. But it just yeah, it so. something about the level of sophistication. So about comics, like my parents' comics are for kids. I walked into a grocery store, I bought any comic I wanted. If it had a rape scene, you know, if it had a rape scene. I mean, my parents never knew you know, so yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. my parents never would have checked what was in there, but yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I mean, and and look, they were mostly policed by the Comics Code Authority, so there was an actual rating system that, for the most part, but yeah, there would definitely be. It was more like mature themes in the sense of just, you know, sort of next level, more intellectual storytelling than you got from anywhere on TV. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, yes, I can always point to Chris Claremont's X-Men, but a lot of, you know, those those Spider-Man stories that like the gang war and things like that, which Jeff and I have uh, just talked about privately just for fun for and was that hours on end. Because it was two dimensional as opposed to like, you know, you were getting gangster movies and, you yeah. know, the ro like Robocop where it's like you were really getting like shootouts on television. And, and that was when the MPAA like really started to like question it but like two-dimensional still felt it still felt safer because it was like a little bit right, distance right. like reading a novel well, but did that make you did that change growing up with that influence do you think it changed how you view fiction and that you know it's okay to talk about these themes as opposed to what ya is considered now which mm -hmm. is very very tame and and you know a ro romance is, is a kiss versus like, you know, how far can you take what but, romance well, YA also through. includes Twilight. YA includes That's true. You know, Hunger Games, which are, you know, pretty barbaric, especially when you talk about it out loud. You, you don't really think of it that way until you're like, oh, yeah, a battle royale. No, but, but 
Yeah, but for the most part, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Kate, you made the point that, uh, yeah, the the way that we lived as kids, yeah, you would basically just sort of be out of the house all day and your parents expected yeah, yeah. you to just show up in time for dinner. And, you know, without cell phones, what, without a way to find us. Yeah, without yeah. any way to get in touch with you. So well, I'm and, not even a know, parent. That I, I, I mean, I am a parent and it's so hard to think about now, but it's just sort of the the world being such a different place but at the same time i think that uh, our content wasn't uh policed as much either you know i mean it was like yeah. uh is it, it a benefit it, or a detriment now I, I i mean i think you know honestly i would have to see what kids of similar age and my son's about to be seven i was seven when i really started reading marvel comics it'd be interesting to see what he read and if i also read it what would I feel, you know, I would, would I feel like they were more juvenile or are they more sophisticated than we even remembered in some ways? You know? I'll so, offer my sons as a case study. They're 14, yeah, almost 14 and 11. I think that might be a, a branch off. Yeah. We do. We was sort of like stranger things without the, you know, the mind control stuff. That so would it, actually be a really interesting episode. If you're, if you know, you're willing to throw your kids. Yeah. If we were, if we were willing like, to, I want to know, know what they're reading. I want to know what they're thinking. Do you, about. do you think <laughs> no, Eric, to bring it back to Wonder Woman, do you think that uh, it would be a hard sell for your kids to read the this this same volume that uh, we just read, the uh, the George? Perez yeah, no, I, I do. I think yeah, it, it's funny as 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 you know, because he is occasionally cameoed in our in our shows. You yes. know, my older son, like he'll he'll kind of start on a comic, but he won't really see it through. And I I I don't know if that's a product of so many choices that my guys have in terms of entertainment. Like, you know, for the us who grew up 80s, uh, you know, it, and it sounds like for yourself, Kate, when you, although you said you came to comic books later in life, right? I came into comic books way late. I, yeah. Like, I didn't have, I was telling Christian this, and Jeff, now you know a lot more about me than you probably expected. No. Um, uh, I, because, and I, I'm from, I'm from Los Angeles, which is a car-centric city. Oh yeah. Um, there wasn't really a place to like walk to a grocery store and buy yeah. a comic. Like I don't remember seeing any comics in a grocery store. So to have like Christian and you and Eric and Michael be like, oh yeah, and then I just grabbed a comic book in line with my parents. Yeah. Like my parents would never buy me. There comics. was a <laughs> there was a spinner rack at like we didn't have 7-Eleven where I live, but if I went to one like by my grandma's, there was a comic book spinner rack there at 7-Eleven. Yeah. And at like every grocery store. And my yeah, comics was manga i used well, to go oh, yeah, yeah. golden apple and like yeah and they used to have them at like borders when those were still a thing and there was sure, a, whole, sure. like, and a great section, section of that like yeah. i would buy the yeah. shonen jump and the and the it's just like and then that got made fun of and i got teased well so, uh, so i used to go to a place called books and tobaccos and and, and tobacco's <laughs> plural by the way um and is that what they sold? is that all they sold they, yeah, it was magazines, comics, and a whole tobaccos, big selection of cigarettes. Let, let's uh, let's remind everyone that Eric grew up in Oklahoma in 1887. So uh, obviously, it's <laughs> when important. I wasn't fighting dysentery. Was actually, fighting actually, I, I think I misspoke. It's a good opportunity to say that uh, <laughs> actually that uh, Eric grew up during the last, the last battle, battle of the revolution. revolution. By our friend Jeff Winstead. Now it's available. gonna be it's gonna Which, be uh, Taylor Sheridan is writing a, a story his next story, story about story of my youth. <laughs> well, it, it's, not, it's gonna be 1883. Uh, well, in Delaware, the difference of 1983 and 1883 was just a Taco Bell. 
That was basically <laughs> it. Um, and and as long as you didn't go, and I don't know if you gents had this experience too growing up, as long as you didn't go to the magazine rack and go to the place where the the cardboard was. Yep. Because that would that would hide the uh, the 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 adult mags, the, the nudie mags, mags yeah. the skin mags, as uh, Christian would call it in New York. <laughs> But I refer to them as art publications, but I know <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, no, that was that was the yeah, the, the people who ran like the uh, like the newsstand near me. It was more like I was I was getting eyed not to see if I was shoplifting, just to make sure that I stayed away from, you know, hustler. Uh, so <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that uh, at at Quacky's. Old Mr. Quackenbush was uh, making sure that I wasn't uh, trying to run out of there with uh, with a stack of, uh, of of nudie books, as we might have called them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's I, I enjoyed the storytelling, but I am so well versed in comics from this era. I, like I said, I don't know how I would have responded to it as a kid. Um, did you, Jeff, stick with this during Perez's run? As I read, as I said earlier, I think he did about 62 issues of this. Yeah, so he drew 24, so he drew yeah. two years worth. I read that on and off. So something interesting happened where I bought the first couple. I have a younger sister, and she got into comics a few months after me. So she was into the book. So I would buy okay. the book for her, and she would. So that kind of kept me in the book. I probably read more issues of Wonder Woman as like in, in sequence than any other DC book, actually. So I read it for you know, two. 200 and some issues you know, consistently. Um, so yeah, but there were issues here, particularly there's an issue in this volume that's mostly text. Yeah. I did that as a kid. Are you kidding me? That's not a comic. I, 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 as a 46 year old man trying to read 14 issues of this, when I got to that one, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, although, will be counter, uh, I liked it. I liked that. I, issue. I, I liked it I as a storytelling technique, but in terms yeah. of the time, yeah. but uh, one of the things I want to talk about, about this book being so rooted in the 80s, there's yeah. references to the other Princess Diana, which I think is interesting. And we mentioned that uh, President Reagan is in here. There is a, a lot of uh, things that, uh, you know, definitely uh, stem from, you know, what was current at the time. And, uh, you know, uh, my favorite thing is the professor's daughter, her diary. It's from that issue. She talks about the boy she likes at school and how he looked at me with those Rob Lowe eyes and spoke to me with those Michael J. Fox lips, smiled (laughs) that Kirk Cameron smile. And uh, I was honestly, just like, I feel all of this. Yeah, <laughs> this I know. See, after, you might, this was before me, and I'm yeah, like, I might, understand you. You might want to, you might want to read her diary uh, entry in there. And uh, uh, it, it just, I don't too, I feel it here. You feel, it, yeah, exactly. Before Rob Lowe's sex tape, before Kirk Cameron's <laughs> Bible thumping, yeah, and, and 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 Michael J. Fox. Uh, by the way, we still, still love remains, him. Still, yeah. every still inch of my heart is his. You know, yeah. Exactly. If she said Tom Cruise's hair, that trifecta. You know what? That's surprising. That that's the this. You know, this was when uh, when cocktail was out. Tom Cruise's old teeth before he got him fixed. But the snaggle tooth. You like? It's funny though because uh, you know the the scripting goes to Len Wein, who 
uh, created the uh, giant size X-Men, the all new X-Men. And it's funny because uh, Jeff, I felt like he wrote a teenage girl in the way that Chris Claremont writes a teenage girl where you're like, I don't know if teenage girl really talks and things like that, but I did love the commitment to like, you know, he probably went to one of those supermarkets we're referencing and he looked at like Tiger Beat and he's yeah, like, yeah. well, here's three boys that are on the cover. I guess I'll put that in her diary. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of appreciate that aspect of it just as an old man. Like I just, it just, it made me, I, I was sitting there at Dunkin' Donuts and I, I just like laughed out loud when I read that. And that's why I, I took like a little screen grab just so that I could read it yeah, that's back during the show. I think that yeah. issue also reveals one of the other weird things about the series. So when they rebooted Wonder Woman here, she's dropped into the continuity already in motion. So yeah. She's a new right. character suddenly. Whereas Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, they've been around. They have a history at this point. Um, and so that caused all kinds of chaos in DC's continuity, which that she had to be retconned out of being a founding member of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to, the, the Titans had a character called Wonder Girl that they now had to explain how was she inspired by Wonder Woman if there was no Wonder Woman. So yeah. a lot of our, DC had this problem after Crisis where they wanted to reboot everything, but they had no solid plan for doing it. And ironically, they just did it again in 2011 with a new 52. Oh, yeah. same, same problems, same problems. Yeah, but that my understanding is that the new Fifty Two was not particularly well received, and they've already kind of reverted back from it, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, Jeff, what is the big takeaway you think from this? I mean, obviously, we chose this, or you know, I chose this at your recommendation because uh, I I knew that George Perez was associated with Wonder Woman, and I was glad that like, oh yeah, Wonder Woman number one makes the most sense. Uh, and you know, there's no denying his, uh, ability. And then obviously the problem being, you know, his own limitations that even he knew that he couldn't do a monthly book, you know, 22 pages a, a month were not for him because when you put 12 panels on a page, it, uh, it gets difficult. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, what do you think the, the legacy is of sort of this on the character? I mean, you definitely and and you know the, there's a uh, vulture art the website vulture article that uh, Eric sent to me that I read prior to this, and Patty Jenkins even said that obviously some of the uh, you know original stories influenced her, but she and she was like, of course the George Perez, and you can really see in these 14 issues you see a lot of things represented on the screen by Patty Jenkins in both movies, uh, including by the way on the back cover of this book is cheetah and cheetah is in exactly one issue you get a little bit of barbara minerva but you get cheetah for one issue and i assume she comes back at some point but i was expecting a lot more cheetah because she was on the back cover yeah she's such a cool character too and the seals looks cool the way she's done in the comic compared to the movie yeah oh no yeah i mean the movie's very unfortunate the The, the lasting impact of cats uh the movie yeah yeah Yeah. we're in a post world jeff yeah i sort of uh so i i know that this kind of gave you an opportunity to rethink and revisit this a little bit and uh you know you still feel it's the best starting point for the character uh and and i guess not you had mentioned to me once that there's a newer uh, version of Wonder Woman where I think she wears a leather jacket and rides a motorcycle, but uh, I, I think that uh, that might not be the one. 
for people to start with. No, th- this still remains, uh, despite its 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 denseness. Although I think it is very epic, you, you have to give it that. It's very dense, but sure. despite that, it still remains the most um, true to the character uh, entry point for most people. I've recommended it a couple times because I just can't find anything else that works as well. Um, and I think the the art obviously is, is beautiful. The, once Perez leaves, they bring in some good artists, but something is lost, even when he's still writing it. And it takes it takes a good few issues before the next. Well, actually, John Byrne takes over with issue one hundred and one, and does a, a pretty good uh, run on the character at that point. So. Oh, I didn't see. I didn't even realize that uh, Byrne had a, a run on this. That's that's interesting. I... Yeah, it was a few years um, post issue one hundred. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeff, uh, we appreciate you sort of, uh, you know, holding our hand through this. And as I've mentioned numerous times, Jeff's book, The Last Battle of the Revolution, is available. I think the best way to find it is on Amazon. Um, But, Jeff, take a quick moment and tell people about your series, The Alternate, which I believe all issues are available in Comixology, unless I'm telling tales out of school. No, that's true. There's six issues now. It is a superhero book about a guy who is the only superhero on his earth he's a celebrity he does tonight show appearances he's having a great life until he gets transported to an alternate dimension that has a ton of other superheroes and another version of himself that is more heroic uh more smarter better looking essentially just is better in every way and so that's where the story plays it's Uh, like when i met christian Yes, you're better looking and stronger and better in every way. Yes, obviously. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know it's been a while since uh, issue six. That's all I'm going to say, Jeff. Just I know. Uh, it, it it is coming to print soon, ish. So okay, we've but, heard that before. Why but, are you bringing Jeff on just to give him a hard time? I don't know, well, really. I'm also bringing him on to let people know about the last battle of the revolution <laughs> and, of course, the alternate. Uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much. And people want to continue the conversation with you. I believe they can find you on Twitter at Jeff Winstead. Simply enough. Yes. Yes. And, uh, I was mentioning earlier that, uh, some of our, our earliest interactions were, you just wrote to me because you heard me on a radio show that I worked on and you were like, Hey, do you want to read my comic on comiXology? I'll send you a code for free. And my answer was what's comiXology. (laughs) So, uh, but, uh, yeah, and then uh, you know, one day we will still do that show where we compare Secret Wars, the original Secret Wars, and Crisis. Uh, I have a new, uh, I have a new uh, outlook on that thanks to the uh, volume that you sent me. Awesome. Um, and uh, Caitlin, where can people keep in touch with you if they want to talk Stranger Things and everything else that I yeah. freaking like? But mostly but I know right now that I feel like that's what's bursting and it's you, bursting you, out of yeah. every part of me. I love that show. It's it's still, great. Still in the middle of season two, but uh, no spoilers. But uh, no spoilers. But I will say that season four rocked my socks. Uh, you can keep in touch with me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Cornellable. C O R N E L L A B L E. And Eric, where can people find you? Well, you can find me roaming the streets of Burbank, always looking for another gun store and Taco Bell to call my own. Uh, we, that's and, how I by find the way, you to usually. be fair, we have a lot of gun stores, but more Taco so Bells. Yeah, yeah. We have actually, a lot. I, 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 I don't know if that's true anymore. I think, I think, uh, unfortunately, 
Aries has been winning out. So when they're when it's free taco day, I go to all of them. So I know (laughs) including the gun stores. There's four. Um, I go to the gun stores actually. Hey, you giving anything free? (laughs) And uh, and if you don't want to see me in person, which I I totally get, uh, count Eric Connor over on Instagram and Twitter, TikTok. If I I I think I'm just too old. If I register, I'm just gonna be added to a different registry. I don't want to be on. So I I stay away. And if people want to find your movie, uh. Other Voices is hanging out on Amazon, the M- Amazon, Amazon, the other Amazon. Yeah. And it is, uh, yeah, a documentary that, uh, I don't know, unfortunately, again, some of the stuff I wish wasn't so timely. And yet there it is, story of friendship across unlikely, the unlikely border of uh, Palestine and Israel. And yet these friendships prevail and they are searching for a peace. Well, I, yeah. uh, pretty good theme for us all, I suppose. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ and on my YouTube channel, Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can find a weekly show that we do called Marvel Movie Talk. Uh, Eric and I are on most weeks. Uh, Caitlin is on when she's available, Uh, but there's, which is this Wednesday. This Wednesday. Well, we'll be talking about Ms. Marvel uh, episode five as we get close to the end of that series. But uh, in any case, I will hopefully see you all here on the Geekscape Book Club next month, where on August 14th, which is a Sunday, we will be doing- No way. What, it's a Sunday? It's my birthday. <laughs> well, then uh, hopefully hopefully you didn't have anything fun planned because no, uh, we would like to have you join us while- we speak about uh, volume one of the 2014 Kamal Khan Ms. Marvel, uh, okay. which I have oh. never read. And I'm very excited to dive into after the show. And uh, I will already tell you now that the month after that, we're going to do some Thor stuff to tie into Love and Thunder, which once you see it, you'll be able to see a special uh, episode where Eric and I talk about that movie. Uh, all on the Blackcast YouTube channel, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, in any case, uh, you know, Larry asked this question so long ago, I don't have an answer to it. I don't know if any of you do, but Larry Potter asked, what do you think of the Justice League animated series Wonder Woman voiced by Susan Eisenberg, Paradise Lost, as a guideline for an Ares plot for a live movie? Um, my understanding would be that I would be surprised if they went back to Ares uh, at least anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know how many how many Gal Gadot Wonder Woman movies you have in you. And I feel like they want to sort of move on from that. Is that something you're familiar with Jeff, that animated series? Yeah, the series definitely. I don't remember that particular episode, but yeah, almost everything in that series is well done. So yeah, yeah. anything they want to adapt from that's okay with me. Well, it, and right. It's funny you bring that up because that was actually something we were talking about when we were kids in the eighties, getting these comics. Meanwhile, the animated versions of these shows like the justice league, if you watch it now, it. it's, it's, listen, my kids, one of my sons hate watches them for fun and mocks them. And unfortunately they do not hold up. And then I think about 
Justice Wait, League. Wait, does Unlimited. he hate watch animated X Men? Because no, 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 no. You got to think back. Think uh, You're talking about Super, the Friends. Super Friends. Super Friends. You're talking about the Super oh, yeah, Friends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. Super on your no, no, no. Yeah. 80s, yeah, yeah. 80s, super or 70s, really, right? That's yeah, 70s. Yeah, with the Wonder Twins and oh yeah, yeah and Marvin the Intern. Uh, yeah. Wonder Mutt. Yeah, they were dark. Well, and, and let's not forget the Fantastic Four series with uh, Herbie the Robot instead of Human Torch because they were oh, afraid yeah. kids would light themselves on fire. Yeah. No, what we the three of us grew up with was such garbage the but i relished terrible. that garbage because it was my kind of garbage yeah uh, oh yeah no i watched it all but yeah you know but i mean it wasn't what place for, for everything what what yeah what we were given in the 90s in terms of x-men spider-man superman batman the animated series oh, i mean yeah. there's others but those four are sort of like the gold standard and then there is uh so much more uh that uh that you can find you know i mean the uh when dc had their own app which now it kind of all got rolled into HBO Max. They had all of that stuff. And it yeah. was, uh, you know, they, they didn't actually have a ton of stuff, but they had so much animated content. And I believe a lot of it you can now find on HBO Max. So uh, thank you, Larry, for uh, joining us and uh, anybody else who joined us. And uh, of course, for those checking out the animated, uh, sorry, the audio only version, but we should do an animated version of Please. our conversation. But uh, that is all the time we have for this month. But thank you so much. We'll see you all talking Ms. Marvel on August 14th. But uh, until then, thank you. And uh, we'll see you next month. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 